Welcome to this week's episode of XOX Hose. This is S. And this is C. Today's episode is The Wild Brunch, which is episode two of season one. Should be titled Season One, We're Actually Gonna Try This Time. <laughs> or episode so, two, we're actually gonna try this time. This episode picks up right where we left off on the pilot, right after the kiss on the lips party the next day. In the wake of the scandalous kiss on the lips party, Serena receives an icy cold reception from her best friend Blair, who reveals that she knows Serena slept with her boyfriend Nate before mysteriously running off to boarding school. As if it couldn't get any chillier, Serena decides to take Dan to arch enemy Chuck's fundraiser brunch at the ballast, and Jenny seeks advice from Blair, who realizes she may have something to gain by allowing Jenny into her inner circle. Themes that I noticed throughout this is the larger... So you have multiple subplots running throughout this, and that's drawn between the tension between different characters. So the most obvious is that between um, Serena and Blair, as um, Serena spends the entire episode basically trying to get Blair to forgive her and to like... She's like, I think we'll be fine. We just need to talk. Whereas Blair just hates Serena right now because she found out about this, about Serena sleeping with her boyfriend. Then there's also the tension, this triangle between Nate and Serena and Dan. Um, Because Nate is pining away for Serena and trying to get back on her. But then Dan also is too, so that you can see the tension drawn between those three. But then also, parallel to that triangle, is Blair, Nate, and Serena. (laughs) And the troubles between the three of them as... Blair senses Nate's attraction and uh, affection for Serena and is trying really hard to stave that off. Then also underlying this um, as like is Dan and his tension with Chuck after punching him the night before and also Jenny's tension with Blair as she's trying to become one of her minions. It's just tension all around. <laughs> if, yeah, I think that's the theme of this show, is that everyone Hate hates each other. everyone or is sleeping with everyone. There's this great moment near the end where when they're all trying to reveal to Dan Serena's past, and they're like all just in a circle <laughs> staring so at each other. I feel so bad for Dan, because he's just like, what is happening? And everybody knows what's going on except for him. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the episode, Dan finds out that, that this is the one thing that was left out of the Wikipedia summary. Dan finds out that Serena has slept with Nate, Blair's ex-boyfriend, and he slut shamed um, her. Not ex-boyfriend, sorry. Current boyfriend. Yeah, she slept with her best friend's boyfriend. Yeah. And that makes him question everything he knew about Serena and the kind of person that she was. And then Dan leaves by punching Chuck. Peruge. <laughs> Wait, he, oh, he didn't punch him. He well, he, shoved, he him. shoved him. He shoved him. Sorry. Him. Semantics. Yeah. He assaulted Well, there's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference. Yeah. Um, so when you start off the episode, you know, they're like, they, they go with the brunch theme pretty hard. Like, you already know by the end, like, you know in the first minute of the show that it's all about brunch, even though, like, you don't even know what's happening. You're just like, brunch, something brunch about brunch. Brunch is just a great motif of the show. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is making me hungry. There's like, a ton of brunch. I just want brunch now. But um, brunch is, like, a huge thing in New York. Though. Like, I actually watched this episode after returning from brunch. So 
Good for you. I, I really felt on theme. Uh, so in the so part of the funny things about this is how awkward Dan is. And I feel like it's actually really, really accurate. Like if that was a real what there's just like fifteen, their sophomore year, right? Like junior year, sixteen. Junior year. They're all they're all juniors, juniors and then Jenny's a freshman. Yeah. So like they're all juniors and Dan's and is like he's awkward, he's like sixteen and he like you know, after his really weird date with this dream girl, he doesn't walk her to her door. He doesn't try and kiss her. No, he, like, awkwardly waves at her. And it becomes this huge thing that he then, like, can't stop thinking about. And him and Jenny are, like, talking about it. It's so cute. And they run this parallel scene where, like, Jenny, like, brother-sister talking. So Jenny and Dan are talking about it. And then simultaneously Serena and her little brother, Eric, are talking, are, like, disseminating the date. And Eric dropped a truth bomb saying, no guy in the history of the world has ever hated you, which <laughs> as someone who, as both of us have watched the entire series of the show, I think that is pretty yep. true. <laughs> yeah. Even the ones who pretend to be hating her secretly want to bang her and are only pretending to hate her so that she will agree to bang them. Um, then they're like, Dan's like, I need to go talk to her. And. And then Jenny goes, you need to change your outfit. <laughs> well, I was, he was like, wearing like a t-shirt wearing, and sweatpants. Or like wearing pants. Terrible, like pretty terrible clothes. Like I will even say, like I would not wear clothes like that to a girl, to like meet the girl that I love or like a lot, I guess. Um, anyway, so, oh, at this point, like pop, re- pop culture references. Um, Blair has this really big obsession with Breakfast at Tiffany's, which is introduced in this episode. Yeah, I think she just has a Audrey obsession That's in true. general. That's true. She has, she has an Audrey obsession. Um, which would make sense because of the obvious appearance similarity. And I think that's kind of her aesthetic <laughs> and life goal. Life just goal kind is of, to be Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. <laughs> to be Audrey. Oh, and then um, there's this, like, oh, other really awkward Dan moments is, like, when he's waiting for... He goes to the hotel. He He goes to Manhattan... And he's, like, waiting at the hotel. And then Nate shows up, too. <laughs> and they're both just sitting there waiting for her. And you're like, well, here we are, two really nice, hot guys just sitting around waiting for Serena Vanderwoodson. What else nice. is new? <laughs> what else is new, people? And, like, when the mom walks by and she, Lily's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, she, like, doesn't even think twice about it because she's like, oh. You know, that probably happened to her when she was Serena's age. She just had boys. Sitting she had Rufus and Trent Reznor just waiting for her. <laughs> <laughs> not, not much has changed. Um, There's like that whole Rufus and Lily moment as well. Of this oh, episode. Wait, 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 wait. Before we get into that, oh. I was, I was going to do this thing. So Dan and Nate are both waiting for Serena. As I mentioned earlier, there's this like kind of like triangle of tension. And so they're kind of like standing at the gate, looking at each other awkwardly and and Nate's like, oh, yeah, I'm just I'm just in the neighborhood. I wanted to talk to her, which is, I mean, kind of true. And then Dan is like, and they're like, are you going out? He's like, are you going out with Serena? And he's like, uh. He like, kind of has this really confused look at his face, which I understand. And then Nate says, that Serena, you'll never know with her, which I feel like is kind of, that's the Serena thing. She just kind of strings you along. Yeah. Do you th- what do you think about that? I think, I mean, again, they're all so young that I don't think Serena really owes any of them a relationship. Um, 
And I mean, obviously when there's like sex involved and stuff, maybe feelings and sensitivity should be spoken of, but I mean, Dan and Serena especially went on one date. Like it's no true. one would there's know nothing. where someone stood with someone after one date. So I'm kind of on Serena's side in that sense where like I think boys just think that girls are really confusing and then they make everything much bigger a lot of the time. Which is funny because boys think that about girls, that girls make everything bigger than they need to be. Yeah. But anyway, now let's go to talk about Rufus Lonely. Okay. Um, Yeah, you can edit out when I mentioned them before. So there is another kind of interesting part of this episode (sighs) where Rufus and Lily have another run-in, and it's basically... Well, it's not a run-in. Like, she goes to yeah. Brooklyn to see him. Like, that's... She's and like, I just saw your son waiting at the hotel for my daughter. And, of course, she's disparaging Brooklyn, left and right, being like, someone's gonna trap me and tattoo me. Yes, oh my gosh, I loved that line, that little, like, dialogue so much. It's like, oh, I need to get out of here before someone holds me down and tattoos me. And then Rufus goes, this isn't the Warped Tour, which I, I approve. That is a S-approved pop culture reference. I've been to Warp Tour. <laughs> I've actually worked Warp Tour, so. I mean, it is for like me, that. that just kind of felt like a redundant scene, even though, like, they did have cool one-liners. It's like, let us remind you that Lily doesn't approve. Because they already kind of had that entire exact it, conversation it, it feels last superfluous episode. a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. Um, I will say this, though, is it's so funny that they live in Williamsburg to me, because it's like, that's, like, so hot now. Williamsburg is so expensive. It's ridiculous. Like, the real estate there is crazy. But that's, like, happened in the lot Like, since the show has come out. Well, I don't think Rufus is necessarily poor, poor. You know, like, he's oh, not, like... He's not, not, like, a 23-year-old living in Brooklyn situation. I mean, he's had a semi-successful... He owns an art gallery. Yeah, he has an art gallery. I mean... He's probably making mid six figures doing something or has like that kind of money. He's just not making millions. So like I can see a mid six figure person living in Williamsburg. Right. But the funny thing is to me, I mean like it the the rent there has skyrocketed in the last couple of years. So it's not like even like we're talking about like what how many years ago is this? Eight, nine like two thousand seven, so about eight. Eight years ago. Yeah. Eight years ago. I mean it was it was I mean, real estate market was so different in Brooklyn. Yeah. But also there's this hilarious line from the last episode where Jenny says, Oh no, that dress, it costs as much as our rent does. And I was like, <laughs> um, excuse me, I know how much rent is in New York and I'm pretty sure that like it probably doesn't. Like <laughs> like well, how you cheap, never know. I was was like, how cheap <laughs> like how cheap is your rent? Like <laughs> definitely not that cheap if you live in that nice of a loft in Williamsburg. <laughs> But anyway, never underestimate Bendel's dress pricing, though. Uh, what, yeah, what, how much do you think one of those things goes for? I mean, that dress, I could see it being like a mark-by-mark mark dress. So that would be like 400 not yeah, Definitely not yeah, 1200 but there could be Oh, no, there's no way that their rent is 1200 yeah. Their rent has to be at least like 3000 Yeah. So I was like, uh, a three or $4,000 dress, like that, I highly doubt that. <laughs> but talking about dresses... The symbolism of Blair giving Jenny one of her mother's dresses. It's like kind of swearing her in to the inner circle a little bit. Yeah. Or more like buying her alliance. (laughs) Yeah. It was so cute when her dad was like, I like your dress better. Which like foreshadowing (laughs) to like... 
her dresses being better than Eleanor's. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Season two, Jenny. I just can't, but we'll get to that. <laughs> I really don't like Jenny in season two. I love this Jenny who is still like wide-eyed and loves this world. she's so sweet and cute. <laughs> I was thinking that when like they were having a little brother-sister talk. I was like, she looks so innocent. Actually, her outfit was a little bit like too, it was a little bit too much like the who, Cindy yeah. Lou and Whoville. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, what I did like was the shit, but going back to the Blair thing though, she bought hydrangeas in the end because yeah. Blair had hydrangeas. That but was so hydrangeas cute. Hydrangeas are pretty. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to Which deny Which at first, that. like, I'm like, why is she going to the farmer's market? Like, what the hell? And oh, then I'm like, oh, she wants hydrangeas. hydrangeas. <laughs> Yeah, it's subtle. I really like... I like that they just kind of slip that in, and they don't yeah. really comment on it. She's just like, oh, what kind of flowers are those? And they're hydrangeas. And then, like, later, you know, at the end of the episode, so you can just... If you pay attention, these little things are, like, revealing themselves to you. Um, let's see. We're kind of all... You want to just talk about the brunch itself? I think they've done a lot yeah, of so pre-work. The, yeah. So they go to brunch, and then... Um, Nate really wants to talk to Serena, so he tells her to meet him in Chuck's suite so that they can talk. And then um, and then Chuck is trying to convince Blair that the only way she's going to keep Nate is by sleeping with him. So then he gives her the key to his room and tells her to drag Nate up there. But what she doesn't, they don't all know, is that Serena's waiting there, and then this confrontation happens, and then they're... They're yelling at each other, and Blair's so angry with Nate and Serena that she's like, "You know, I wonder how Dan would feel if, you know, he knew the truth about his golden girl." So she stomps down there, and then like they're all kind of circling around him, and then they all tell him, and he, and he's unhappy, and he walks away, and he's like, "I thought you were different," and you know, they kind of have this moment, and I guess you're, and then it's funny because at the end of this episode. He he's like I guess it's not gonna work out. Like I think we're better off with me ne- not going into this world. Yeah, I think that will last one episode. But I mean, it does. <laughs> I mean, it does. But I think like I think it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about some of the fashion in this episode with fashion with C. So basically. This fashion, this episode's fashion, far surpassed the pilots. Um, I think I they finally got budget, and they finally <laughs> got. I don't know. I mean, the stylist is probably the same as the pilot, but he probably just had more connections or with she. designers and stuff. Um, or do you I, know who it is? I think it's it's definitely a guy. I forget his exact name, um, but it's like some British guy. I can look that up eventually. <laughs> um, but first, I'll talk about hair because. I couldn't stop looking at it in the episode. So Serena in Blair's hair game, which is on point. I think this is, it was funny because not to project myself onto the fashion of the show, but like Serena is why I went super blonde in the first place. I would always tell my stylist, I want to be like Blake Lively. And then I recently went brunette and because I wanted to be like Leighton Meester. And this episode is kind of like the, well, not this episode, but like this kind of earlier seasons are why I kind of were inspired, was inspired I to do, do those hair changes. Nice hair. It's always I'm, blown out and beautiful and curled. <laughs> oh my gosh. I like, I mean, Blake Lively is just has really beautiful hair. Like yeah. you just, she just always looks like she has awesome hair. Also, random fact, didn't she? Like I saw um, last week tonight's John. No, no, it wasn't that. It was John Stewart. John Stewart criticizing lifestyle brands. 
Maybe. And one of them was, Bla- like, Blake Lively, Lively has a, a lifestyle. Preserve. <laughs> yeah. So it's called. Okay. I might cut this part out. But. <laughs> this episode bought by Preserved. <laughs> we um, wish. <laughs> um, so, and also on the male side of hair, it has definitely stabilized from the last episode. Everyone's hair is starting to look normal. Everyone has got either hair gel or a haircut, so that is nice. Um, on male fashion, I really liked Dan's kind of military blazer he was wearing. Um, that he wore to the see Serena and brunch. Um, I think I was kind of shocked that he had that sort of style. I, mean, I kind of believe, I do believe Jenny helps him. Yeah, that might be the case. Um, I'll have this, I'm going to add another mid segment to fashion, which is bag watch inside of that. Cause like there's normally like a bag per episode that I kind of see and become obsessed with and uh, lily is carrying an hermes kelly bag and i'm like oh my gosh it's like i don't know the hermes birkin is probably more popular in pop culture i've actually heard of that (laughs) see like i i don't care about handbags but i've heard of birkin bags so the kelly bag is kind of the more ladylike version of the birkin um so I, i liked seeing that sort of arm candy um this is a combo fashion and a WTF. Nate is in a tux for a good part of the episode, which because he was <laughs> because he was sleeping in it the night from the yeah, night before. Yeah, he was sleeping in the night before. I would have thought like maybe he would borrow clothes from Chuck or like literally wear like buy anything worked. on the street. It worked. worked for him. Like he's <laughs> Okay, this is my point though. This is what I noticed is when the whole time like so he changes in time for brunch and he's wearing this like tan suit, right? Yeah. And his tie is, like, loose the entire time, which when now, like, I, like, had this moment where I looked at him and I thought, when I see a, a guy in a suit with a sloppy tie like that, it looks sloppy. Like, yeah. it doesn't look good, but it looks hot on Nate, which is, like, <laughs> basically, Nate is hot and he yeah. can pull en- off anything he wants to pull off, even looking like a bum. <laughs> Nate is a hot bum. You know, like that makes sense. Like that's why his like morning after walk of shame tux clothes looks good because Nate is hot. Yeah, I just thought it was funny how the stylist like just kind of let that one go. Um, Serena's ensembles throughout the episode were kind of confusing. I think she's trying to do the whole boho carefree thing. Um, and she's I think, always trying to. Well, she's she becomes a little bit more high fashion throughout the series, but I think especially in the first couple of seasons. But there's definitely this hilarious um, dialogue, and much later where like Blair kind of makes comment to that. It's like just because you wear a peasant shirt doesn't mean you're actually bohemian. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think when she's trying to convince her not to and go to brown. In my notes, I wrote Serena's a little too ho for boho. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think I'm. I don't know. I think that was. It was definitely underlined in the first couple of seasons that Blair is the more classic one and Serena's the boho one, but I think it was a little bit too on the nose in this episode because some of the dress choices, I was just I'm like, you can do better. You make so much money. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, we see the continued trend of Blair's headbands, um, which will basically be around for four seasons. Um, and I liked her headband choice for brunch. It was very... Uh, embellished and so cute. do you wear headbands let's talk about headbands um i basically wear headbands when my hair looks like shit okay <laughs> and so i 
I'm like, ah, I tried a curl and it didn't work out. Let's just put a headband on it and kind of wrap it up. I have aversion to headbands that started at a really young age because they kind of like make my head hurt because they like pinch your temples. So what I've been doing recently is because it's always sunny in Austin. I normally am wearing sunglasses and I use my sunglasses as a headband. Like I have, I understand that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's all I have for fashion, but it's definitely on the way up. Um, Next, we're going to have social commentary with X. So um, there's not a lot of really big things that jumped out at me during this episode, but there were a couple lines that kind of caught me. Um, There's this moment when Blair and Jenny are talking in her apartment, and she says... Because Jenny's kind of asking uh, Blair if people are talking about the whole thing with Chuck. And she says, people will talk. And you need to decide, Jenny, if this is worth it to you. And I thought that that was very accurate. You know, when you think about living life in the public sphere or being a person of influence, like if you have influence, money or power, any of those things, people are going to talk about you. And that comes with the territory. That comes with the ambition and managing that and taking it in stride. So... I thought that was a great little line, um, just kind of like tucked in there. And then um, there's a conversation that Chuck and his dad, Bart, are having at brunch when uh, Bart, you know, he's like, people like this is all for you. You know, I'm doing these events and these, you know, like I'm building. He's like basically saying like I'm building this empire so that you can have it. Like I'm trying to groom you. I'm trying to give you something, son. I'm trying to give you something to stand on. This is all for you so you can meet people, become a part of something. And, like, Chuck doesn't even care. (laughs) Um, And then he, like, which I think it's really fascinating because I see, I've seen not a lot of trust fund babies or people grown up with a lot of privilege. But generally those kids, they, who've grown up with it, they don't really care. Like, it's always been a part of their lives and a lot of them don't always take advantage of those opportunities that are given to them. But it's, like, people who are working so hard from nothing who are always starving for those opportunities that would kill to be able to network at an event like that you know whereas like all those kids are just worried about like their their love lives or you know they're all worried about serena they're they're all worried about (laughs) serena or like where their pot dealer is right like um and i think that's hard especially for parents who um who were um the ones that were poor like i know that bart grew up poor and then he like he worked his way to becoming the billionaire that he is and um, he's so frustrated that his son is so spoiled and doesn't have the same kind of ambition he does which is why in like later season episode whatever he kind of takes to Dan which is kind of weird because Dan reminds him of himself in that ambition I think that I wonder about that because I'm a person with a fair amount of ambition and and um, aspirations and and I, you know, I'm fighting my way to be heard, to be recognized, to be respected. And, you know, I don't know if I will have children. I would like to have children. But I think that one day it'd be hard, especially if we, if they grew up, you know, if I achieved as much as I wanted to achieve and they grew up in an environment where these sorts of things that I had to fight to be, like, to have access to, they just had growing up. Um, and, like, if, if I was rich, I don't think I would ever let my children realize that we actually had money because we'd probably live in, a, like, a not really nice house and live pretty simple lives and, 
you know, I mean, if they... If I think I, that's a very Midwestern thing. Because I, I get that sense, too, about my family. <laughs> so, I think we were, wait, we were raised right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. But then there's this hilarious moment when his dad says, Lose the scotch, it's barely noon. That's <laughs> like, just oh, good. Your, your father does care about you question mark <laughs> at least in this season <laughs> at least in this season yeah. i had a, a moment where i kind of agreed with blair um she said sex is actually a big deal to some of us which i think throughout the show we'll see how sex is or isn't a big deal to a various uh degree to some characters so um i think that is a big theme of gossip girl is uh people's feelings about sex and if love should be attached or if it's just expression or self-actualization. I don't know. Thoughts? You know, now that <laughs> I think about it, I would say that for all the sex in the show, we very, very rarely see instances where characters have sex and don't experience some sort of emotional connection. Except Chuck with every single employee. (laughs) Well, I guess. But even so, you can see how this is sapping him of his humanity. And then when he actually... But, like, then... Like, for instance, he has... His meaningless sex is a result of um, emotional deficiencies he has in other areas. So, like, he might go have a one-night stand with somebody because he's trying to, like, numb out feelings that he has in another arena. And you see that definitely once he starts having his relationship with, like, Blair and Steph later on. And as we continue to unpack his character and all of his, like, closet of dark secrets and skeletons, right? So I think this show really demonstrates that, though. It never just, like, you never just see characters come waltz in and out. And you're like, oh, well, that person just had needs and they wanted sex. It's, like, it's always part of a larger building of their character. And um, and I think that's fairly interesting because i think that it, it it don't we don't live gossip girl doesn't live in um in an idealistic sex world where like we can actually just like keep sex like we're where our need for sex and our our um participation of sex is disconnected from our emotional and spiritual humanity truth so. <laughs> Next, um, we can move into our music segment. So I personally can only remember one song for this episode because it was played seven, like six or seven times. It Shut was. Up, sh- Shut Up and Dry by Rihanna. Part, well, I don't know. Probably was four. I'm exaggerating. But that's I, I, it's not often that Gossip Girl would use that more like a song more than once but i heard this song multiple times in the episode Mm -hmm. and it just seemed like such so out of place i think i don't know did it though (laughs) i mean shut up and drive it's like basically it's about like having fun with your friends and going out on the town like not about like the emotional turmoil of brunch can you just hear that phrase, the emotional turmoil of brunch? It's like how surreal is of that? Of this brunch, anyway. Of this brunch, okay. Um, the song that caught me, which I love, is When Did Your Heart Go Missing by Rooney. I love this song so much. I um, I remember the first time I heard it, 
And I used to hang out with these really artsy kids. I think oh, one time, <laughs> one time, uh, C met a bunch of them. I went to like this show, this concert, and I brought her with me. And like half of them like live in like farm communes in like Grand Rapids now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. brew their own kombucha. Like they're like those kind of people. And I um, asked them if they had seen the proposal with Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock. And they looked at me <laughs> like I was the worst person on the planet. Like, I think we had a group of like eight people and I was, and you were the literally only person who had seen that film and all the rest of us were like, and this um, was like the year it came out. It was like yeah. in the theaters and yeah. no one knew what I was talking about. And I, I felt mean, we really knew ashamed. What we're ta- like, I knew what you're talking about, but I hadn't seen it cause I don't really, I mean, we were talking about like art films and stuff. And then <laughs> you're like, it kind of reminds me of the proposal. <laughs> I'm this, sorry. Like, I'm too. I feel like this. Mainstream. It just, no, it's so funny because it's totally something that would happen in like NYU with Vanessa and Dan and Blair. Like that's like a Blair hanging out with Dan and Vanessa moment. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Anyway, so I hung out with this girl. She was her name was Amber. I think I haven't seen her in a long time. But um, and then I remember her playing this song for me. And um, Rooney is from California. They were also Rooney was on the OC. Do you remember that? I don't all? remember that, but no. this show is produced by the same person. Yep, so exactly. Maybe so that's why. it's like a huge part of like, like the, I think one of their logos was like the California flag or something. And Rooney is just like huge with that. But um, I just good memories of that era with that song. It's just like a good jam. <laughs> anyway, um, next we're going to move into this, the WTF segment. Take it away. See? Okay, so the, I guess the theme of this WTF is cell phones. Granted, this is supposed to be the next day, and everyone has a different cell phone, which is clearly because they had a Verizon um, deal, um, because in the start of the episode in their New York skyline uh, overshot, they show the Verizon building, and then they have oh, they do. I, everyone I has an LG chocolate a Voyager or like something that was like Verizon based. Um, but I don't know how it would fence for the product that much because Serena then throws out the cell phone that she's had for one day because she got a new phone the next day in the trash. So <laughs> the whole cell phone turnover, depending on who is sponsored, always makes me laugh. Um, another thing that made me laugh is during brunch, um, the captain, which is Nate's dad, really wants a deal with um, Blair's mom. And so he keeps, like, whoring out his son, basically, to say, so I hope you're still staying with Blair because we need to make sure this business deal goes through. So I still still think that's kind of... I mean, it's a very Upper East Side thing to do, according to the show, but I still get weirded out by that. Um, Also... The human statues during brunch at brunch, they have these hired people that just stand there. Um, I mean, even for the Upper East Side, I think that's a little bit much. Uh, I think I've seen it in like a Real Housewives oh of gosh. New York episode, but I think even those are a little bit more animate, uh, animated than literally just standing there. <laughs> I think they might have been like at least handing out tra- like food or something versus just standing on tables. Um, and then my favorite dad joke of the episode um, was actually from Bart Bass, who is not really known for his dad jokes throughout the show, but he's like, the invitation says black tie, not black eye. Uh-huh. Just, that just made me laugh so much, um, just because as we learn more about Bart Bass's character, um, he's not one for jokes, more about 
murdering and taking money away from poor people. (laughs) (laughs) Next, we have our segment. XOX no. XOX oh. Um, So we think uh, because there aren't really overt uh, references to who Gossip Girl is in every episode, we'd also include some of our favorite Gossip Girl quotes in it. Um, So she always has a fun little sign off that either is a pun or a rhyme and my favorite is when Blair discovers Nate, uh, Serena when she's going to uh, maybe do it with Nate um, <laughs> Gossip Girl says will it be a three way or do day oh my gosh <laughs> I'm like wow that's you fun. know how to troll there that's definitely a 16 year old boy there you know, yeah three way um I think that it's really fascinating to listen to the things that Gossip Girl says now knowing that it's Dan. Because he, at the end of the episode, kind of like when you have these shots of him like kind of sitting brutally on like the fire escape, thinking about the fact that he just told Serena things are over. He's like writing this. He's like, well, now we know who lonely, like who like the mystery man is. And but he won't be in much longer, like because they're from word on the street is they're over. And so are his 15 minutes, which uh, now that I think about it, is actually really fascinating to because it's like, oh, well, who would know about that conversation between Dan and Serena except for Dan? Like, yeah. Like, no, like, um, yeah, I guess, like, people, like, send tips in, but, like, how would Gossip Girl be able to publish that, like, Dan and Serena, like, are not really happening except for him and he having this thing? And then I think that his use of the phrase, like, his 15 minutes are over really reflects on Dan's disparaging view of this world. Um, there's a conver- the conversation that they're having as they're kind of deciding that they're not going to like keep going out together is that um, um, like Serena ch- chases after Dan after he finds out about the whole thing with Nate and she's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. This world is crazy. And Dan looks at her and says, it is. And you're a part of it. And Serena's like, well, what? <laughs> What, you didn't know that, which is, like, duh. Yeah, like, Serena has a point. Like, you you wanted me, but, like, you didn't think that this was going to be a thing. And he says, I don't know. I thought you were different. And I think that really shows Dan's naivety in this moment because he, like, he had this built-up image of Serena as this perfect girl, and now he's seeing the reality of how hard it is and how, she, she like, she's beautiful and glamorous, but that all comes with a lot of baggage. Which I think could be the theme for the whole show is it's like, yeah, these people's lives are beautiful and they, you know, privileged, but it's a hot mess and you can't take one without the other. You can't think that you can live your life isolated and benefit from all these things, but not have to interact with that. There's also this moment when, um, when Blair, like before their argument where Blair confronts Danny says, I just thought you should know that before you fall head over heels for your perfect girl and her perfect world, that this is who she really is. (laughs) And I think that's really great, though, because, like, that's true. It's like, if you're going to step into the lion's den, at least know you're stepping into the lion's den, right? Which it kind of parallels what she told Jenny, which is funny. Like, basically, an exposure of the world to the two Humphrey-like siblings. Yeah. See, they're both enticed by it, but in different ways. Yeah. Um, And so then there's a, he's talking to his dad, and Jenny's like, I found her, and then lost her. 
it's fine. It's all for the best. Serena and her friends and her family turns out it wasn't for me, which it's like, <laughs> little do you know, yeah. you're going to get sucked back in just like we all do. But, um, I thought like you could definitely tell that in the way that like gossip girl is commenting on all these things. Also, Gossip Girl make, like makes a point to mention Jenny's dress and how like Jenny's we s- spotted little you know little Jay wearing a Blair Waldorf or like a Eleanor Waldorf original and it's like who would even know that about Jenny? No one pays attention to Jenny. No one thinks Jenny's important. Who would send in a tip about Jenny having a, a Eleanor Waldorf dress? Like yeah, Dan would, and he's doing this. He's talking about her and because he knows that she wants to be elevated and the fact that if people are talking about her then that means that she's important and will help her to be elevated in their social sphere. Um, I also really like the fact that Gossip Girl used the word fuster cluck because I actually use that a lot now in real life. <laughs> I definitely heard it for the first time on the show and then I started using it after that. Interesting. <laughs> so that's our XOXO, XOXO segment. Um, so now we're moving on to ship or not to ship. Um, so I have a couple silly ships, I guess, at the okay. top of this. Superfluous <laughs> ships? Yeah. Um, we, 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 could, we could call them Tumblr ships, if you will. Um, so first is Diane and the hotel front desk person, Dexter. <laughs> I think their rapport is just really funny. And I don't even remember if we ever see Dexter again after this episode. But I think he's a gem. Because him and Dan just have a great banter. Um, I really actually do like Jenny and Blair's early relationship, um, the whole mentor-mentee. And I think that kind of gets lost in the seasons to come. But it, I think there is kind of... It never really gets completely decimated, um, me thinking back to the finale. So it's a cool start to the um, relationship. And then... Th- wait, wait, before we... Okay. I also think it's really fascinating because... Um, we get to see how Jenny grows into this person, this completely different person. Basic, and But with Blair, we only arrive with her being Queen Bee. Yeah. And you have to wonder if once upon a time, Blair was also the same as Jenny. And there's implications throughout this, throughout this show that Blair was once like Jenny. And I don't think that Blair would have like kind of like picked Jenny if she didn't see herself in her. And so you can kind of see not only the character development of Jenny, but also how Blair became the person she is, too. And then finally, Lily and Bart. Um, I think I, I admire Lily's strength um, when she's basically saying you had to get rid of all your other get uh, rid of your 25-year-old hoes. And if you want to get with me and be in public with me, so I think... If you want to be my lover. <laughs> you got to get with my friends and only with me. Um, so <laughs> I think... I think on a second round, I actually find their relationship semi-charming. Um, maybe because I wasn't really paying attention to them at first. Um, okay. But we'll see. I, I mean, I just really don't like Rufus, so we'll see what happens. I felt like Rufus's hair was just so dirty looking this episode, which, you know, usually I'm okay with that. But it just he just looked really 90s, like L.A. in the 90s, like to, in this episode. It wasn't, it wasn't attractive. Um, I will say that... And ship world, mm, I don't really ship Lillian Bart. You already know that I'm more of a Lillian Rufus kind of cheerer, but, like, I don't feel in love in this episode. And, you know, I, I said last episode that, like, my, you know, I ship Dan and Serena. But I think that this time around, like, 
especially after seeing everything that happens in the next couple seasons, you know, you can't help but wonder, like, you know, this is that moment where it's like, well, I'm not going to be in her world. I'm going to choose otherwise. Like, what if, what if Dan had stuck with that? What if like things hadn't unfolded the way that they had and he just stayed in Brooklyn and then like Jenny kind of had this meteoric rise to fame because she's going to have it anyway. But like, he's just her like anonymous brother. I think there's probably a fan fiction out there that covers that topic. And I'm not going to read it. (laughs) I'm definitely not going to read it. Um, I also think it's really funny that every time Serena doesn't want to do something her mom wants her to do, that it usually involves like seeing Blair. She uses Dan as an excuse. (laughs) He's like, Oh, I don't want to go with the kids on the list party because I I have plans with what's your name? And then like (laughs) and then like she her mom wanted him to go to brunch or her to go to brunch. She was like, I can't because Dan and I have plans. Like I She's so like insolent about going to brunch. She's like, I don't want to go to brunch. And it's like (laughs) Girl, like, it's brunch. Just some waffles, you know? It's, it's like, like, I don't know why she's so, I mean, I guess she has she doesn't want to deeper see issues she with her deep. brother, though. I think she had, with her mom, as far as being mad at her mom, she, it's more She also about doesn't want to see brother. all those people. Like, obviously, like, if anything, if the sh- episode is evidence, it's like, a lot of shit went down at brunch, and she just didn't want to have to deal with that, like... But um, I think that I was like, if I were Dan, I would feel weird about it, too. Like, I'm only I exist as an excuse for you and for you to escape um, from dealing with your problems. But I think that's part of the reason why Serena likes Dan is because she feels like he's in a different world than she is. And she can run away from her problems when she's with him. But she just keeps dragging him into it. So that's what's unfortunate. Okay, so that wraps up our episode for The Wild Brunch. Next week, we'll discuss Poison Ivy, um, in which the Ivy Leagues come into town, and the St. Jude boys and the constant Billard girls have to impress. And we get to disseminate more things about privilege. (laughs) (laughs) I might edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) So, bye-bye. XOXO. No before you go